Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The latest round of conference expansion kind of started with the Big 12. When Oklahoma and Texas decided to bolt for the SEC, is the Big 12 in a better position now? Also, the Ravens are hungry, and the Green Bay Packers will have an elite rushing offense this season. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. There is the old adage, survive or die, in college football expansion and college sports expansion. Right now, the adage is expand or die, and that is what the Big 12 tried to do poaching Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah from the Pac-12, which, by the way, maybe did pretty soon. Yeah. Drake Toll from Locked On Big 12 joins me now, our new host of Locked On Big 12. And, and Drake, uh, this is one of those interesting moves for uh, expansion where it actually geographically makes some sense, like, mm. like some sense here. How do you think the fit is for these three schools? Well, the Big 12 is now a, almost a coast-to-coast league. It's at least an east-to-west league when you have West Virginia on the east coast, and now you have teams like Arizona coming in, these four-corner schools with Utah and Colorado as well. This has been a long time coming. We thought at one point the Pac-12 could scrounge everybody together, and these, these mighty teams could do what the Big 12 did two years ago and keep things afloat, but, but they just couldn't. The Titanic sunk. And the Big 12 started casting out lifeboats. They didn't give one to everybody, but they gave one to the teams that that belong, right? It, it feels like Utah and BYU, that rivalry is renewed. It feels like Arizona and Arizona State have that, especially with BYU being here, that place in the Big 12. And, and then there is the conversation of Colorado, which was already here, and we have quickly forgiven them for leaving. And they bring you Deion Sanders. A year ago, this is a much worse move with Colorado. But now, I watched an ESPN promo for college football season coming up. Three shots of Deion Sanders in that promo in a minute and a half because he's the biggest show in the Big 12, and I don't mind that. And so now, I think that raises the question with other teams. I mean, the Big 10, they're the Big 18 now. So yeah. if, you're, if you're the Big 12 and now you've added some of these schools, that gives you credibility. And there are going to be other schools at other conferences going, hey, wait, that seems like a good place for us to be. Do you think yeah. this is the end of all of this? And if not, where do you think they look next? Well, first and foremost, with that point, Oklahoma and Texas are kicking themselves. They're at least yeah. thinking about, wow, what a time to leave the Big 12. It looks great a couple of years ago, and now we're going to go get kicked in the SEC when we could be beating teams like Arizona and Arizona State who have struggled so mightily in football recently. So that's the first point I think of, or the two that left. See you guys later. And then when it comes to further expansion, you're going to have to stop at some point because you've got 16 forces eight of them brand new. If I've got a city council, a board of regents, anything that is making a decision and eight, eight people of 16 are brand new, if half of my staff making calls are brand new, not usually a good thing. You're going to get, you're going to get bite off more than you can chew, get a little bit into in a little bit too deep. If you keep going here. So you stop, you stop at 16. You do not. Uh, I know I mentioned life ravs, but you're, you're a business first. You're a business before you're a, a charity. So you don't go after Oregon state. You don't call Stanford, maybe a UConn in basketball, Gonzaga in basketball, to supplement for where some of these new teams lack. However, 16's the cutoff. And at 18, I'd, I think I'd get worried. 
I asked this yesterday when we were talking with our Big Ten and, and Pac-12 hosts about this idea of, okay, what if I start getting opportunities to add some premium schools? Does that mm-hmm. start putting some of my maybe lower end schools in terms of in terms of prestige, in terms of that blue blood appeal? Does that start putting them at risk? Is there a point where you could see, let's say there's just three conferences. It's just the SEC, the Big Ten, yeah. and the Big 12, however they rebrand, because let's be honest, they're going to need to be a rebrand Absolutely. at some point where you think the Big 12 looks around and goes, I don't know, maybe some of these, these lower level schools, like if we could add a Florida State, if we could add, you know, let's say the ACC starts to get a little desperate, they, we could add a Clemson. Does, does that start to put some of these lower rank, rung schools at risk? That's a trim the fat conversation, and we'll have it the entire it's season and all through expansion, and it will never take place. A conference like the SEC will never kick out Vanderbilt. The Big Ten will never kick out Rutgers. They could be the doormat in every sport. But once you've picked them up, it's so tough to say, hey, look, ESPN. Hey, look, Fox. We have signed XTV deal. Now we're, we're kicking somebody off. Even if that team's not bringing you a lot of revenue, you've, you've already made the decision to bring them on. There won't be a point where the Big 12 trims any of the fat. And, and I, I think, I really do, the Big 12 is the most complete conference in college athletics because there is not any fat to trim. There is not a bottom dweller in this league. We don't have a Rutgers. We don't have a Vanderbilt. And I love that. Stay up to date all year on the Big 12 by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Big 12 on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, Lamar Jackson has some weapons to work with now. Will this be the season? The Ravens put it all together. Before we answer that, the ACC could be benefiting from the Pac-12's demise very soon. Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Who would be the best team to bet on to take advantage of this offer? I don't know. Maybe a team like the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending champions. Ever heard of them? Patrick Mahomes, ever heard of him? So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. ACC leaders are set to begin exploratory discussions on the potential addition of Cal and Stanford to the conference, according to Monday reports. This is still in its very early stages of development, but as the Pac-12 disappears, as it has been doing over the last few days, the ACC is the only power conference to not have added any schools. The report noted the big hurdle will be travel expenditures for all teams. Cal and Stanford will also be looking at taking less than full shares of revenue. Considering its money, that has driven all of the recent rounds of conference realignments. It's unfortunate that both Cal and Stanford are in this position of being forced to simply take what they can get. The Detroit Lions are bolstering their quarterback depth. They reportedly agreed to bring in Teddy Bridgewater to back up Jared Goff. The signing will reunite Bridgewater with Lion head coach Dan Campbell, who was the Saints assistant head coach and tight ends coach when Bridgewater was in New Orleans. The Lions were looking for the highest level of insurance in bringing in another backup. A bizarre story was reported on Monday in which the Baltimore Orioles indefinitely suspended 
One of their broadcasters, Orioles play-by-play broadcaster Kevin Brown, reportedly was removed from the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network after he made a reference to Baltimore's lack of success against the Tampa Bay Rays at Tropicana Field in previous years. That's it. That's the reason for stating an objective truth about a team's record. It wasn't because he did something bad or said something offensive. He merely pointed out a fact, although it is a pretty bad record. Before a game against the Rays on July 23rd, Brown noted that the Orioles had won as many games at Tropicana Field in 2023 as they had in the past three years combined. Safe to say no one thought that would be the result. There was a graphic to accompany the stat. This was pre-produced. Everyone knew this was going to happen. It didn't seem like a weird thing, because it's not. Brown has worked for the Orioles as a TV and radio commentator since 2019. On the diamond, the LA Dodgers and San Diego Padres finished a four-game set on a Monday with a high-scoring blowout. Well, when the Dodgers went down five to nothing, we thought it was going to be a blowout. Turns out we were right. What's up? It's Jeff from Locked On Dodgers. Uh, the good news is it wasn't a blowout the way it looked like it was going to be. After the Padres scored five runs in the bottom of the third to go up five to nothing, the Dodgers answered in the top of the fourth with an eight-run outburst. Culminated with a grand slam by Mookie Betts, tying the Dodgers team record of 11 grand slams this season. I believe it was Mookie's first of the season, but it was 31st homer of the year. Uh, and they tacked on five more in the sixth inning. And uh, Tony Gonsolin, after that rough third inning, made it through six innings, allowed a total of six runs, but only one more run after that inning and gave the Dodgers the length they needed. Joe Kelly dominated in the seventh inning, and then Brian Hudson finished it off with one red in two innings. Dodgers win the game. So much to talk about from this game and the whole series with the Padres. So check out Locked On Dodgers every weekday morning for all the Dodger talk you could ever want. And the Boston Red Sox got a much-needed win over the Kansas City Royals thanks to a walk-off grand salami. Hi, Gabby here from Locked On Red Sox. Oh my gosh, Pablo with a massive walk-off grand slam in the bottom of the ninth inning. I truly thought that the ball was going foul. It barely, barely got fair. It actually hit the foul pole. Huge, huge win for the Red Sox. They really needed that after getting swept by the Blue Jays. Brian Bayo with another really solid start. Pitched six and two-thirds, giving up one run. Um, I don't hate that Alex Cora pulled him when he did in the seventh inning. I think you want to keep his confidence where it's at because if you keep him in and he gives up a run or two while he's pitching, then the confidence kind of goes south again, especially because he had been struggling in his last couple starts prior to this one. But, wow, was that a huge, huge win for the Red Sox. Got to keep up the momentum, please, and take advantage of this, if you want to call it soft, part of the schedule. Here is another story you need to know. To begin the offseason, you could have forgiven Ravens fans for wondering what was hitting them on top of the head. The sky was falling. Lamar Jackson seemed like he might not be a Baltimore Raven much longer. The skill position players were in a shambles. And now, just a couple months later, we got, say, Flowers in the building, Odell Beckham Jr., who apparently would have just gone full Madden on the Rams or on the, the Bengals in the Super Bowl had he been healthy, is now in the building. And of course, the man, Lamar Jackson, has a brand new shiny contract to show for it. Kevin Ostriker from Locked On Ravens joins me now. And Kevin, understanding that this is still a lot of pieces to incorporate here in the next few weeks before the season has opened. What is the early returns in Baltimore as they work to try and compete in the AFC? 
Yeah, I think so far, Peter, what you're looking at is an offense that is still trying to work it out. You're going from Greg Roman to Todd Munkin. You mentioned they're adding in these new pieces here. It's not all going to be like 100% figured out in the first couple weeks of training camp. It's going to be a process that will probably continue into the season, but hopefully what the team can do now and what they have been doing is just trying to figure out how to utilize guys in different roles where they can figure out what guys do best. And this is a learning experience for Todd Munkin too, figuring out, for example, Patrick Ricard, who in Baltimore's old system under Greg Roman, you know, fullback, it was massive. They ran a ton of heavy personnel. He was big in there. He came off the PUP list on Monday and he was working with the offensive line. So it's a, it's figuring out just where everybody fits in. Now, during Saturday's practice, what made headlines here in Baltimore is the fact that Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley, Josh Johnson, the quarterbacks threw nine interceptions in practice to the defense. Now, it was later cleared up that it was a third and long drill, which naturally does favor the defense. And, of course, you don't want the interceptions at all. But it, it offered a little bit of context. But you mentioned third and long, you can throw some YOLO balls. Not that yeah, big a exa- deal. Exactly. And you, you want to get that stuff out of the way now. Plus, the Ravens defense is not too shabby itself. So I, I expect some of that. And it's it, I know iron sharpens iron is probably a little overused in some circumstances. But I think it is the case with some of these situations. Zay Flowers look great. Odell's had his fair share of catches as well. He he's kind of working his way back still. He's he 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 and the team have a plan. So he went in a little early on Monday, but there was no injury. He just hit a rep count. So Baltimore's figuring it out now. But I would say that the returns, you know, not not a hundred percent positive, but that's to be expected. It's not. There's no time to hit the panic button right now. I think it's okay. Now, if you're starting to get that stuff happening in the regular season, I think we could have a different conversation. I love to try and set reasonable expectations for our listeners and viewers here. So this is a new offense with a bunch of new pieces, but Lamar Jackson is a former MVP. Not that long ago, he was the most dynamic player in the league. All, all apologies to Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson in that season was a unique force, at least that year. They've added these new pieces, and everyone seems to be excited about what Todd Monken brings to this offense. So how much better can they be this year? Maybe not right away, but let's say by the end of the year. Yeah, I think the expectation here is it's going to be a lot better than what we saw. And of course, you know, the last two seasons, Lamar got hurt and he was out for the latter half of the season. And I think any offense with Lamar in it, if if that offense doesn't have Lamar, the floor and the ceiling go down substantially. Tyler Huntley, while he is a Pro Bowl quarterback, that, that did happen last year. He's not the player Lamar Jackson is. But Assuming you get a full healthy season of Lamar, Odell's able to play a full 17. Rashad Bateman also, he's still on the PUP list. Hopefully he comes off soon. The expectation is that Todd Munkin's offense is going to be able to utilize the guys that they have to the best of their ability. It's going to be a lot more organized. And the situational awareness that Todd Munkin has versus what we saw from Greg Roman, the play calling, and also just the fact that the offense never could get to the line on time. We saw multiple delay of game penalties, multiple wasted timeouts. And it was something where John Harbaugh said it, Todd Munkin has said it, Lamar himself has said it. This is an offense this year that the Ravens are essentially handing the keys to Lamar and saying, this is your show, go run it. Obviously, Todd Monk is still going to have input, right? But I think what Lamar has had over the course of his first five seasons, we see like second-year guys, third-year guys, fourth-year guys get more and more control of the offense as their career goes on. 
We didn't really see that with the Mars. It was really Greg Roman having a stranglehold on the offense, plus the fact that, again, they got to the line with three seconds to go every time before the playcock expired meant that Lamar could not identify the defense, could not send guys in motion. He just had to get there and snap the ball. So I think with those play calls coming in a little bit quicker, but the key thing is they're going to throw the ball a little bit more. There's, in fact, a lot more this year. What does that do for the running game? I still think if JK's out there, if Gus Edwards is out there as well, they're going to be able to get carries. I think I think what it might do is Lamar's carries might go down this season, which is okay, but I think we're going to see a lot more throwing this year and just a better offense overall for what the team wants. Stay up to date all year on the Baltimore Ravens by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Ravens on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Coming up, the Green Bay Packers are going to run the ball and run the ball well this year. It's a passing league in the NFL. Ball control and time of possession are very much secondary. But the Green Bay Packers will be very driven to run the ball. And Locked On NFL scouting host Joe Marino sees them doing it very well. Green Bay Packers. I think this football team is going to run the ball. And so sign me up for a top eight rushing offense from the Packers in terms of total rushing yards. They were 18th in 2021. They're 15th in 2022. I think with Jordan Love, being the quarterback, you're going to want to lean more into the rushing offense with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, but also Jordan Love's a very athletic quarterback, and he's going to add to this total. They might even be top five, but I'll, I'll go a little bit safe and go with top eight, which is still the top 25% of the league. Joe is right about this. Joe knows ball. The Packers are going to have an efficient run game. They have really every year Aaron Jones has been in the NFL going back a few years, even when Brett Hundley was the quarterback. You could say, oh, well, it was Aaron Rodgers and now Jordan Love. Things will be different. And it is the case that over the last few seasons, Aaron Jones has faced among the fewest number of loaded boxes on rushes in the NFL. Maybe that changes this year with Jordan Love. Teams may say, look, we're going to load the box. We're going to stop the run. We are not going to let Aaron Jones beat us. The problem with that is Christian Watson, the rookie receiver last year, now a rising sophomore, was among the most productive receivers in the league the last half of last year and looks like he is primed for a number one receiver kind of breakout this year. His number one attribute, he can get deep. He can beat you over the top. And modern defenses are saying, we're going to play too high. We are not going to let you beat us deep. If Christian Watson starts beating teams deep. Guess how defenses are going to play this Packers team the same way they play everyone else seemingly. Two high safeties. What does that make it easier to do? Run the ball. And finally, sports fans can be a mean bunch, especially if you are a big money free agent signing who happens to be underperforming. And especially if you play in Philly. Trey Turner likes it in Philly though. He bought 12 digital billboards around town to simply say the words, thank you, Philly. Turner has struggled this season, but Philly fans, known for their ruthlessness toward opposing and hometown players alike, stood behind him. They gave Turner a standing ovation in at-bats throughout the weekend, a plan that was devised by some Phillies fans on social media. Turner responded and blasted a three-run shot in a win Saturday against the Royals. Sounds like a movie idea for a sequel to Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. 
Coming up tomorrow, who looks poised to come out of a crowded AFC this year? So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.